Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is freaking hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone, whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Unteachables podcast. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, I'm Claire, and the goal for this is just imagine you're sitting across the table in the staff room, having real conversations with your fellow teachers about the struggles in teaching. Everyone loves to have a bit of a whinge in the staff room, which is totally fine, but sometimes it can get a little bit toxic. Uh, We can start to get into a bit of a pattern, a bit of a cycle. And this podcast is about that validation that you need from those kind of conversations, but also giving you proactive strategies to be able to support and manage that. It's Sunday right now, speaking of having a bit of a whinge, and I'm sitting here feeling that kind of pit in my stomach uh, going ahead into the week. Uh, That Sunday scary feeling, I've been teaching for, I don't even know, like 14 years now, and that feeling, that Sunday scary feeling, it still doesn't go away. It's always there. It's perpetual. And I don't know why. Like I really always think about what is it about teaching uh, that creates this kind of sensation on Sundays, that feeling of of going into the week and not being sure, being uncertain, feeling a little bit down about it. I'm sure other professions get it as well. But this is really fitting for this particular episode because I wanted to talk about coming back from maternity leave. And maternity leave, I like to describe it as just one big feeling of the Sunday scaries because I've been off for 10 months or so. Well, I was off for 10 months. Yeah. So I went back in September. So it's obviously I've been back for a little while now, but that's why I wanted to talk about this particular thing now, because I've had a bit of time back and I've kind of gone through the process and the emotions and all the rest of it. And I think it's time to talk about what it's like to come back to teaching full time after maternity leave or after a big break. I'm sure it's relevant for people who have also been away for a little while. And if you aren't a mum, if you haven't returned from um, maternity leave at any point, if you're not planning to return from maternity leave at any point, if you think this is really irrelevant to you, that means this podcast episode is particularly relevant to you. So please don't switch off if you're not a mum or a mum-to-be because this conversation is not just important as an act of solidarity for all of those who it does apply to, But I think every single person has a responsibility to have a level of understanding around this stuff. If that was the case, maybe a few of the following things might have been mitigated for me and new mums like myself would feel a little bit more supported during one of the most vulnerable times in our lives. I think it's an incredibly vulnerable, sensitive time to go back from maternity leave. I think that postpartum period extends well beyond what we get off on maternity leave. So if it doesn't apply to you this episode, it does apply to you the men listening, uh, the, you know, childless people listening, um, please don't switch off. Please listen in. 
And I also know that some people might say, well, you know, why are you speaking just of mums? Because fathers feel a certain way when they go back to work as well. I can't speak for that. All I can speak about is my experience. I want to acknowledge the families look different in a variety of ways. There might be two dads, two mums. You might be parents that have adopted a child and that again will feel very different and look very different than a birthing mother who, you know, has all of those hormones associated with it. This is not to invalidate anybody's experience. I can only speak from my experience. Mothers like myself who have birthed a child, like, I'm going to be speaking about things that kind of relate to how challenging it is physically. Like there's this biological kind of urge to be with your child and it's been really, really tough. And that's a very unique experience to somebody who's birthed the baby. My partner, for example, he would come home from work. He only had two weeks off with myself and Ava before he went back to work. And in that two weeks, it was really tough because we were in and out of hospital because she had jaundice and she had to have treatment a couple of times. So his whole paternity leave was kind of taken up by going in and out of hospital and not necessarily being able to stay at home and, you know, kind of get to know her in a way that we would be able to chill out at home. His experience of going back to work, of course it was tough. He missed us. He felt guilty that he wasn't able to be there for me, that he wasn't able to connect with Ava. It was really hard on him, but the way that I have felt going back to work again is incredibly unique to somebody who's actually, you know, birthed that baby. So that's what I'm going to be talking about in this podcast episode. So when it comes to going back to work after having a baby, after having maternity leave, there are a lot of subtleties around how I'm feeling. Uh, But I posted about it on Instagram and I got hundreds of messages from mums who either had just finished maternity leave or were coming up to maternity leave and all experienced really similar things. I wasn't at work for 10 months, as I said before, and I feel like in that 10 months, everything changed for me. But then I went back to work and kind of nothing changed in the workplace. Of course, little things do change. There's new things that have been implemented. There's new this, there's new that, but in like largely things have been pretty similar in 10 months. You get back to work, you feel like you've just kind of gone through this enormous transformation. You feel like a totally different person in a lot of ways. But then when you get back to work, it's almost like no one acknowledges that, that you've had a baby. And of course, when you first get back, there's that settling in period and people are asking about the baby and all the rest of it. And then within a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is in your workplace, of course that stops. No one cares. They just see you as a person you were before. People don't really ask. And people assume that you're out of the newborn phase now. So it's kind of back to normal life as you knew it before. But in reality, you haven't slept since the four-month regression and last night you were up 10 times with your 10-month-old who was crying only wanting mama because she's teething and her brain's probably exploding with all of these things that she's learning and all these things she wants to do. I'm speaking for myself, obviously. Other babies are different. Don't be afraid if you're about to have a baby. Um, Every single baby's temperament's different, but that's my experience. I haven't slept since a four-month regression. She has been a difficult sleeper the entire way through, which has made things really hard for a lot of reasons with like writing the book and the business and now going back to work. But it's not just about the exhaustion, just the exhaustion in itself would be hard enough when it goes to, when it comes to going back to work full time, but I'd be able to manage that. You know, you can kind of have a coffee, you can crack on with it. 
I've just had some really big lows with missing Ava. I feel like I've been torn in in two pieces. I'm kind of teetering between these two worlds. And there's that saying that society expects you to work like you don't have children and parent like you don't work. And I think that's exactly right. I've really had to curb my social media time because you can't help but get lost in the comment section. And I saw a comment the other day and it called some babies pouch babies. And you know, another post is criticizing women for wanting to work at all. Like they feel like this really big push at the moment on social media. I don't know if it's just my algorithm that's showing me things that are making me feel guilty, but there's this big like kind of push at the moment for women who are kind of being like staying at home and wanting to do house, like homemaking, homekeeping. Feminism is about being able to choose what the hell you want to do. So I'm not saying that that's wrong or right, but in the comment section of those particular kinds of posts, it says things like, that is what a woman should be doing. A woman shouldn't be going to work. A woman should be taking care of her babies. And I saw another post that was like, uh, women who send their babies to nursery don't understand the impact of what nursery has on a child's brain development. I'm like, this is bull crap. Like the amount of guilt that mums already feel for having to leave their children or the amount of sacrifice they have to make to have children and then need to go back to work. I want to desperately go, but I want to work. I don't want to be a stay at home mum. I want to be able to do these things. So again, it's like teetering these two worlds, but there is a lot of rhetoric out there that is forcing parents into this, mothers especially into this state of guilt. And it's an impossible dilemma because half of the, the, you know, the narrative is that mum should be staying at home and taking care of their babies, but then everything in society is structured around a two-income household. Like we have to move out of London because we can't afford nursery and we can't afford to live on a one-income um you know, we can't afford to live on one income. So we have to move out of London, but everything is structured around that. So yeah, that's one kind of thing I've really been battling within my head. It's just that pressure, that societal pressure to be everything, do everything. You can't do right from wrong. Um, you really, like, it's just a constant battle with, you know, what you want to do and what you need to do. So going back to work, that was like a big rant, but yeah, when you go back to work, you're expected to work like you aren't a parent. And I want to be able to do the best I can at work. I am desperate to be able to give a hundred percent to what I do, my work. I want to give a hundred percent to the unteachables. I want to give a hundred percent to the podcast. I want to give a hundred percent to my role as senior leader. I'm only there for another seven weeks, by the way, before I move. So that's a little bit easier to kind of consolidate in my brain. But you can't, you can't give a hundred percent of yourself to both of them. And then because of that, all of these feelings of worthlessness start to bubble up because you can't do it all. Worthlessness with work. I'm not the person that I used to be at work. I can't give a hundred percent to this. I can't do a good job on this. I can't deliver in the way that I used to be able to deliver. And then you feel the same at home. You feel that sense of hopelessness at home. And again, I'm only speaking for myself on this and I'm only saying this because I'm hoping that it's, um, validates some of how everybody else is feeling, who's, who's experienced this, but the, the worthlessness at home starts to bubble up because, you know, I'm not there for Ava and she needs her mama. And, you know, like it's just all of those things kind of compounding and making one big storm in my head, the confusion around what the hell am I doing here? 
And then that leads to how I emotionally and physically feel. Like there's this emotional pull away from work. I had to wean off breastfeeding. I went through a stage last half term and I'm going to be very honest with you. I thought I had late onset postpartum depression because I think it was the the hormones from weaning off breastfeeding during the day. I just couldn't keep doing, obviously I couldn't keep doing that, but I'd get home and I'd feel this in, incredible pressure to play catch up on connection time. And I'd get home and I'd just be desperate to make her laugh. I'd be desperate to make her smile. And it was that last hour before bedtime. So she wasn't going to be, you know, like a peak Ava, like really happy, really wanting to play. They get a bit fussy, don't they? And I'd have that incredible pressure to be that really amazing parent and I'd kind of have to condense it into an hour before bed. And I felt this deep feeling of hopelessness, but almost despair because she'd be laughing at James. She'd be laughing at my partner. She, uh, she adores him so much. You know, he's at home with her more often. And I just felt like she didn't love me anymore. And I know that is just so irrational, but I went through this big phase where like during the last half term where I'm like, well, Ava doesn't love me anymore. She doesn't need me anymore. I've, you know, been away for too long. And that was really, really, (laughs) really, really hard for me to kind of overcome. And I call it having my complex now. So my partner and I joke about it and I just say, look, I'm having a bit of a moment where I'm having a complex. Like I need, I need some more time with Ava or, you know, like um, I can just acknowledge the feeling with him now, which is good. Uh, please know by the way, that even though I'm being really candid and open about how I feel, it does not mean that I don't love my job. I freaking love teaching and it just adds to the complexity of these feelings. I am just so happy to be out and about and doing my thing and immersing myself in something that I am so clearly passionate about. This is a huge part of my identity just look at the work I do. Of course, it's a big part of my identity. And if I am susceptible to these feelings, that's why I'm talking about it. Because if I'm susceptible to these feelings, I know all of us can be because teaching is a really tough job. We have to leave our own babies to go and teach other people's babies and to care for other people's babies. And I think the way I've even seen students now has changed. I think because I'm a mum, like the lens I view all of my students through has changed. And of course, I always saw them as human beings. And I don't even have to explain that to you because um, obviously the work I do speaks for itself on how I see these students. But you know, one of my students got punched in the face and like, I just felt this sick feeling in my gut, imagining that being my baby. So I think the intensity for which we feel things at work increases even more, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, you know, when we care for our students at school, we come home a lot of the time with compassion fatigue and we're burnt out because there's so much emotional investment. And I feel like that's even increased now since I've been a mum and gone back to work. But in saying that, there have also been so many highs to going back to work. One of them is probably surprisingly, unsurprisingly, just the fact that I can leave the house and get on the train and do a commute and listen to podcasts. And I just really enjoy doing that. That's really good self-care time for me, even though the tube at the moment is bed bug infested and I'm not sitting down and I'm always looking around for those little critters. Um, I don't know if anyone else is doing that in London. Everyone just seems to be sitting on the tube, but I'm just here worried about the the (laughs) the bed bug infestation from Paris. Anyway, so one of the 
biggest highs, and I'm sure that it is no surprise to anyway, anyone whatsoever, it is that feeling of starting a year with students. I hadn't met them before. I came back to a whole group of new students. I work at a Peru, so, you know, we kind of have new students all of the time. And I just loved it because, you know, you go through that whole period of time at the start where you're kind of just laying those foundations with expectations. You're laying those little foundations with relationships. No one really knows each other yet. Everyone's kind of sussing each other out. And then little by little, the personal jokes develop. Those little things that only you in your class would understand. And then you kind of see little by little that community start to form from where there's just feelings of trepidation and mistrust as you as a teacher to something where you know, you're walking in and giving each other a little fist bump or a high five, you know, you start to see them go from, oh, this is long. I'm not doing this. This is crap. As an English teacher, the amount of times I hear students say this is long at the start of the year, is just, that's long for me, honestly. Uh, And they start, they go from that to start to like smiling when they do a piece of work or saying one of my students, you know, I've never written this much in my life. Like you see them start to develop it because you're developing that trust and it is just the most beautiful thing. And it just leaves me buzzing every single day. And it makes me feel so happy every single day. And I just don't think that any other job can emulate that kind of joy that you can feel for seeing students develop in the way that they develop. And yeah, I think it's just beautiful. And you can hear when I talk about it, that it makes me so freaking happy. So even though going back after maternity leave, by the way, all of those things, I make them sound really natural. Like it's just a given, but these are things that were once super strategic, but now that is a hardwired part of my practice. And it's kind of been established through making really explicit strategic choices day after day, maintaining it, striking that balance, especially with those young people I work with, holding the boundaries, getting to them. So please don't think that that just is all kind of naturally happening. It is a very strategic process um, that I have to go through to develop those relationships and to start to kind of get students on board and get the buy-in and all the rest of it that I just described. I just wanted to make that very clear because I don't want it to sound like everything's a super easy because that's definitely the opposite of what this podcast is. It is a hard thing and it's very skilled uh, and it's something that you can learn and hardwire over time. Anyway, that was just an aside and back to what I was saying. Uh, Yeah. So even though it's been really hard coming back to work from maternity leave and, and leaving on maternity leave and all the rest of it. And even though all of the things I've just described, you know, it's been so difficult physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and it continues to be. And I'm not saying it is easy now. It's not. Every single morning I leave Ava, I feel a pit in my stomach. I don't want to leave her. I want to stay at home with her. But again, it's teetering on those two worlds because I want to go to work. I want to go and and do the work that I'm so passionate about. There's a part of my identity as well. I want to come on and record the podcast on it's Sunday at the moment. I only get a small amount of time with Ava on the weekend and I'm using that time to record the podcast because it's important to me. So I'm always teetering between those two worlds. And the whole point of this podcast is to say that if you, number one, if you're not a mum, if you are not, not a parent, you don't understand, I really hope you've gotten to the end of this podcast so you can look at the mums that you work with through a lens of compassion and empathy and not to say that you're going to be easy on them or to be hard on them or whatever. 
just to hold space for them during that time to make sure you have an understanding that they have come back and they have got a storm in their brains and they are trying their very best to do everything they possibly can, not just at work, but at home as well. And they can't give 100% to either during that time. So please, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a mum, just constantly going to work with that mindset and just take care of the people that you work with, whether you're a leader or just you know, a teacher being a really good colleague. And to the mums out there, those of you who have had a baby and are back from maternity leave, uh, going back off maternity leave soon, uh, pregnant at the moment and worried about what is to come, mums that have been there, done that and have given me so much support. Um, I see you. I hold space for you. Uh, you're not alone in any of these feelings. And I just wanted to make sure that I was really candid and open about something that yet another thing when I had a baby that I said, no one told me this. If this reached even just one person, it would have been worth spending my Sunday morning doing this, honestly, because if I heard this three months ago, I would have felt a hell of a lot less alone and I probably wouldn't have gone through the severity of lows that I have gone through because I would have been able to normalize that feeling. So I hope it's been helpful to at least one of you out there. But in saying that it's Sunday, I can hear my baby. She's just woken up from a nap. Uh, She's with my partner. So I'm going to go and spend the Sunday with her. We're going to go and have a bit of a walk. I'm going to take her to the park and we can go for a swing and just really enjoy the day together. And I hope that you're having a lovely week at work. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, it would really mean a lot if you just popped over to the podcast and left a review. I do read every single one of them and it makes me so happy to be able to read those and know that I'm not just talking into a void and that there are people on the other end of this. Okay, have a lovely week, everybody, and I'll speak to you next time.